Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets Antenna Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another ITA Men's National Indoor-centric edition of The Deciding Point, our breakdown of everything happening in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, this weekend, the spotlight is on New York City, and the spotlight, of course, is on these 2024 ITA Men's National Indoor Championships. We have officially reached semifinal Sunday at this year's event. Four blue bloods remaining in the main draws. It will be Ohio State taking on Virginia in a 2023 NCAA championship rematch to start the day. And then, of course, we have the 2018 NCAA and national indoor champions, Wake Forest, taking on the two time defending national indoor champions in the TCU Horned Frogs. In summary, it's going to be a really fun final two-day stretch. And of course, here on today's podcast, we want to break down how we got to this semifinal Sunday. What did our four quarterfinal main draw matches look like? What can all of you college tennis fans expect to unfold tomorrow? And if we're going to set the scene related to all things happening at this Men's National Indoor Championship, you know precisely who's going to join me on the podcast to help do exactly that. Of course, we know him best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, the lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, but of course, most importantly, the man we refer to as the professor. It's Chris Halliores joining me once again. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Quarterfinal Friday, now officially in the books. It was another day, quarterfinal Saturday, excuse me, another day where we didn't see any 4-3 results at the finish line, but we got plenty of drama. We got plenty of twists and turns, and my first thought, Chris Halliores, as I turn to you, I thought the quality of tennis was the best single day we have gotten in this 2024 college tennis season. I think the best team started to flex their muscles, started to, dare I say, look the part here today, and more broadly, as we look at this 2024 season moving forward, that's a great thing for college tennis fans everywhere. How are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, but also, yeah, we kind of expect that when you get, you know, you get the first round by and look, we had three seed-wise upsets in the first round, but you get past in that round of 16 into the round of eight, and you expect high-quality tennis when you're getting to see all of that in one place, and yeah, it was it was a great day. Uh, I'm with you. The, the lack of the four threes has been a little bit surprising, but you know, we've had some very, very competitive matches nonetheless, and and I think it's going to start to get really serious tomorrow. No, it's going to be a spectacular day of tennis. Again, it's not a national championship event, NCAA, ITA, or otherwise, unless UVA and Ohio State at some point end up head-to-head in the draw, right? That's, dare I say, defined 21st century men's college tennis. Obviously, the TCU Horn Frogs over David Roditi, they've been a staple of what a top eight team looks like in the college tennis landscape. And then since he walked into the doors as an assistant coach for Brian Boland at Indiana State, then Virginia, obviously Cornell, now Wake Forest. We know what Tony Bresky's been capable of as a coach, what his programs that he's been a part of have typically accomplished. And again, 
Those are the main characters. Those are, dare I say, the first headlines you would turn to as we reflect upon quarterfinal Saturday. But now let's get into the weeds. Let's break down all four of our matches. We'll start with the left side of the draw and the match where we began quarterfinal Saturday, our 9 a.m. here at the Milstein Family Tennis Center on the campus of Columbia. For the first time, Chris Hallioris, in 2024, I thought the University of Virginia looked like two-time defending NCAA champions. And look, ultimately, they take a 5-1 victory over Tennessee. That sounds surface level like it was a blowout. It was anything but. And we'll talk about where Tennessee goes from here, because I do think this is a borderline inner circle team in the Vols. But for Virginia to lose the doubles point in the fashion that they did, you had two lopsided sets at two and three, one going the way of the Who's at three, the other going the way of the Vols at two, came down to a sudden death breaker at the number one doubles position, a breaker won by the number nine team in the country, Johannes Monday on Hel. Diaz ultimately take that breaker 7-6. Tennessee from there takes three first sets. Monday gets a first set at one. Diaz a first set at six. Apple Tower, the freshman, a first set over Von der Schulenberg and a breaker as well. And you know, again, I think Monday's first set was in a breaker over Rodesh. More broadly, here's the point. Virginia was down a doubles point and three first sets. And from that moment on, It was all who's the rest of the way. As they like to say, whose house was it, Chris Halioris? It was the whose house, as they protected all their first set leads. However many poker chips you have, push them in on freshman Dylan Dietrich. He's the real deal. The only thing more impressive than his tennis game might be the energy he brings. Match in, match out, straight set win there. Uh, Obviously, where were their other straight set wins? Somewhere on the court. It was uh, the number four. Justin Yaki. Yeah. Oh, Justin Yaki, he says. Well, you, you, you said they protected all of them. They protected no, thank you. You're in, the because, three. Because uh, at five, uh, Graziani. Yeah, yeah Graziani did not. You're, you are correct. He didn't protect that. But let's talk in Yaki because oh, I think that's where we have to start. He's serving f- underhand. F- underhand Chris Halliores this isn't the boys 12s this is the national indoor championships these guys are ridiculous have you seen the weapons of Tennessee freshman Philip uh Pajonka like he's serving underhand Chris Halliores and he doesn't just win today he wins the match in straight sets it's three uh excuse me it's two one who's from there The other four matches, all three sets, again, in the end, Kiefer first from a set down. He knocks off Diaz, then Rodesh, Vander Schulenberg, the seniors, simultaneous finish. In the end, it's all the Virginia seniors, right? All due respect to Graziani, all due respect to Hopper, whatever. But the OG class of 2024, Rodesh, Montez, Vander Schulenberg, Kiefer. This was the first day Virginia looked apart, and for the last time, I'll say it. Iñaki Montez is serving underhand, Chris. You're not reacting enough to this. It's underhand. It, it's, ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. It's so, ridiculous. So first of all, I, I had a long thought about this 
during the match and how I wanted, what my take was going to be on the fact that he wins three and three serving underhand. And and here's my question for you, because, and I'm torn in my own head, what the answer to this is. Novak Djokovic serves underhand. What's the break point in ranking at where he actually starts to win? Does he beat number 200? That's serving a great underhand? question, Chris Halliers. I think you should tweet that out tomorrow. Um, I mean, you'd hope no, right? I mean, you yeah. look for Montez, he'd face two lefties for what it's worth. I don't know if that matters or plays any sort of factor, but he's faced Andrew Zhang a fifth year. He's faced Pajonka a first year. You know, both guys at moments played with the sort of aggression we would expect. They would take approach shots off the return of serve, forcing Yaki to have to come up with the pass. Now, too many times, Montez was able to come up with the pass. Or too many times, both guys, uh, Zhang and Pajanka, unable to be definitive enough with their return of serve. Un- were unwilling to stick with the course. You didn't see any drop shot lob. They weren't trying to push that Inaki Montez overhead really in any sort of fashion just to test, see how it felt for him. I haven't loved the game plans that have gone up against him, but by the way, it's a lot easier to say stick to the game plan. Why aren't you continuing to approach here in the broadcast booth, Chris? Because once he passes you twice in a row, you're like, well, I'm not going to do that again because he just passed me twice in a row. And, it's Inaki freaking Montez. Like, you don't want to give this guy too many chances to get hot. He is the beating heart of this team as well. Like, again, now when I call my little brother Nicholas, he goes, vamos Inaki. Um, and that's how he's just answering because that's all he's heard over the course of these past two days. We haven't even talked about Rodesh, who, like, that match with Monday was so good. The quality was so high. Jomo was excellent today. It's a shame anyone had to lose that one. Vander Schulenberg, two days in a row from a set down. He's delivered, dare I say, a de facto clinch. Like, it's just the first day. You know, Kiefer at the sixth spot. They put Graziani at five. Graziani ultimately unfinished. They didn't lose a singles match, Chris Hellyors. They were down doubles in three first sets. This is what a two-time defending champion is supposed to do. And the last thing, and then all thoughts belong to you on this match. J.J. Tracy said it best, actually, in our post-match interview when he was previewing tomorrow's semi. He said, when asked, you know, you've played Virginia this year, what do you think? He goes, well, there are two Virginia teams. There's regular season Virginia, and then there's tournament Virginia. And to equate regular season with tournament Virginia is just, he didn't say fool's errand, but... I'm going to, that was what he was implying. And he's a thousand percent correct. Like this team has mastered the peaking at the right moment. The question is, can they do it again against the Buckeyes? But they looked like two time defending champs today. Yeah. look, And here, my thoughts as in watching this match were, first of all, from, King from underhand the get- was the first thought. Sorry. Second. Well, yeah, that, but from the get go, when, Mon- when Montez wins the first set, and I, and I can't remember how quickly these orders of events happened because he actually won pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they split the first sets three and three and that Tennessee got the doubles point, you would think gives Tennessee the advantage. But when Virginia got three first sets and Vonder Schulenberg was not one of them, in my mind, the match was over. Like, there's no way Vonder Schulenberg is losing that match. I don't care... It went, you know, it got super tight. Apple Tower had break points to go up a break in the third. 
But what happened? Von der Schulenberg won. He is not going to lose that match. So the fact that they lost three first sets, but he was one of them, I already had him in the win column, which meant Tennessee was going to have to flip something else. And and they just weren't able to do it. I mean, now granted, Rodesh still had to come back from, from down that first set to Monday, but I felt like after they got after those first sets were over and it looked like Inyaki was going to win between the fact that Inyaki was winning serving underhand which i had counted as a must win for Tennessee and the fact that one of their first set drops was von der Schulenberg i was firmly in the camp of it's going to be very very hard to beat virginia here and yes to your point they absolutely looked the part today everybody including an underhand serving montez was firing on all cylinders. I think the, you know, the bottom of the lineups, you talked about the Tennessee maybe being that inner circle. Man, I'll tell you what, well, I don't think we see the same indoor and outdoor team. I just still have this, the four, five, six, and all the combinations they're they're playing with Lee and Lalami and Apple Tower playing at four. I still, to this day, I believe six is an absolutely Horrible spot for Angel Diaz. And watching the end of that match against Kiefer, look, Diaz likes to hit forehands. He likes to slap the ball. And he got sucked into the Kiefer game of playing what I will, you know, nothing is soft, but I will call them soft from a Diaz perspective. Sure. Just soft rally balls with him and not going for his shot because when he did, it wasn't working. And all of a sudden he's in, the six grind game rally. That's not his game. And that's just not, they're either going to have to move him up or take him out. That's not, it's not going to stay. My last Virginia note would be Chris Rodesh continuing to cement his case. He's the guy here in 2024. Like him versus Jomo was straight up the guy implications. And I do want to be clear. The only person today who played better, uh, excuse me, than Joe, than Johannes Monday was Chris Rodesh. That's it. That's the only guy here in the building I saw all day. Fernley was great. Like Cannon was really good against Cooper today, but that's what pro indoor tennis looks like. Rodesh versus Jomo, three sets, few breaks of serve. So like I feel pretty good about Jomo at one if I'm Tennessee. He looked really good yesterday in a victory. He was right there with Rodesh, had that first set. Yes, Mitsui lost, but to me that's all about Dylan Dietrich. Like God, is that kid just ooze talent. And, and it's indoors. Yeah, he oozes energy, his ability to take the ball early on the rise, the length, the ability, the momentum, always moving forward. Like, I mean, Andreas is just so good at recruiting right now. Like, Dietrich, Fonseca, obviously to find this class. Oh, yeah, next year is just as, as, I mean, well. it's like, ridiculous. No, yeah. they could, they're going to lose their class of 2024, and they're still going to be in the national championship hunt, which speaks to, again, the job Coach Pedroso is doing. But, look, we'll talk about Virginia more when we preview the semifinal. Obviously, for them to lose doubles, find five, not four, five singles victories today, Chris Hallyworth. They win one, two, three, four, and six. A ridiculous performance for them. On the flip side, like, for the first two hours, Tennessee was as good, if not better. Than this Virginia team. And the difference was Virginia seemingly had another gear to get to. You're right. That loss for Diaz, I didn't see it coming. I thought after he won the first set, just again, his aggression, his aggression, his forehand was the bigger weapon. I thought he was playing disciplined enough. But Kiefer going to Kiefer, man. You're all... I, 
it's been the cardinal sin for us for two years straight. You doubt Alex Kiefer at your own peril. The guy is just always going to be in the fight. I mean, Graziani winning that first set was huge, but Chris Lee served for the match 5-4 in the third and was going to serve for it again 6-5 in the third. So that is a step forward for him after a slow start to his season. Like, I guess the thing is, what do you make of the freshman? Because I actually think the Apple Tower result is exceptional. You went three with Von der Schulenberg at four. You might be the only guy. Who get, yeah, I guess that's not true because, well, no, Von der Schulenberg lost a set to Krug. So you're not going to be the only guy to get a set off him. But, like, clap of the racket. You were good enough today. The only one, I think, if you're Tennessee, where you're like, we are burning this film. Or we just got to figure some out. Like, the, the Pajanka match. That was a freshman result. You just, again, if you lose to an underhand serving in Yaki Montez, and I think the Tennessee coaching staff would probably be the first to say this as well. If we get a text, I guess we'll report about it tomorrow. Uh, excuse me, we won't because we keep our sources private. But, like... That's the one where you're like, you just can't lose to Inyaki in straights. If you lose to Inyaki in straights, or like Duke, if you don't beat Inyaki when he's serving underhand, you don't deserve to beat Virginia. I think it's that simple. And that's why, again, it's a freshman result in February. I'm feeling great if I'm this Tennessee team. They were right there in a couple of circumstances, just weren't able to close out some things. Big picture, I thought they played well today. But I do think if you don't beat Inyaki Montez serving underhand, you don't deserve to advance. 100%. And how, how you go down three and three and never resort to chip the return. Something sh- new. He just chip didn't the return do anything short. New. Yeah. yeah. Chip the return short. Come in behind it. Lob over his head. What's he going to do? You're going to make him pass a guy that's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six at the net from a from chasing the ball down? How do you never go there when you're getting beat 6'3", six, 6'3"? Three, six, three? I, I don't understand. It's just a horrible game plan. Horrible game plan. Yeah, no doubt it was less than ideal. And again, he's a freshman. And I think both of us on this podcast already so far this season have sung the praises of Philip Pajonka. The lefty is going to be a good one moving forward. But the legend of Inaki Montez grows. Again, he clinches a national championship last year. Now he's 1-0-1 serving underhand at the national indoors this season. The question is... Can UVA bring that juice into tomorrow's semifinals? They're going to face the team who unequivocally looked the best today. And that's the Ohio State Buckeyes. And look, there's two conversations to have. The short, brief conversation we can have is about the doubles. They've lost three straight doubles points. Ohio State doesn't lose more than five doubles points in a season. Like, this is capital S shocking stuff off the Buckeyes. It don't matter, Chris Hallioris. Did you watch the singles against Harvard? No disrespect to the Crimson, who are a really good group of guys. I've thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with Harvard roster, but when I'm talking about their personalities, Chris, it means I don't have many observations about the tennis today. They got rolled in a way that only elite teams are capable of doing in a round like this. It reminded me of the South Carolina match. Like, You lose a bad doubles point, you just come out, and as we like to say, and this is going to be my seventh F-bomb of the pod, so Chris, at some point you got to throw one in, but God, did they like, oh, it's just, again, if you can't appreciate excellence, don't be in a job that Chris Hellyors or I have commenting on it, but to see Bernie, Kingsley, and Tracy, they were all up 4-1, in like nine minutes. And, you know, country music star Bobby Cash did his thing 
at the number five singles position. Anthrop wins his first set from down an early break at four. And then, oh, by the way, and what was a really fun first set, Justin Boulay, 7-6 over Henry von der Schulenberg. I mean, again, we can start with the doubles if you'd like, Chris Halioris, but the headline to me is we talked about this Ohio State team in the preseason. On paper, the depth that they possess, the ability, especially indoors, like, man, this team should never lose at four, five, or six during the indoor season. They have it. Like, they are the class of the field in singles. They, for the second straight day, third straight match, have dropped the doubles point and had, I guess the Alabama match was close, but I don't think it was ever in doubt. Today was never in doubt after 11 minutes of singles. Like, oh, and for Kingsley to do that to Cooper Williams after how well Cooper played yesterday, like, oh, that was excellent at its finest. Yeah, look, Ohio State won four singles matches, and in those four matches, they dropped a total of 11 games. That's better than two and one on the average. I mean, that's ridiculous. They just, they blitzed them and Harvard didn't know what the hell hit them. To your point, yeah. I I mean, I texted, I was texting somebody immediately after that going, what the fuck is going on with Ohio State doubles? This is three doubles matches in a row. And I still don't think it's going to matter, but at some point it will. Now, the funny thing is, at some point, you know, they're going to actually win the doubles point and then lose a match. And we'll be like, huh, I don't get it. But yeah, I know it's uh, am I concerned about their doubles? No. How the hell Robert Cash is con- con- continuing to lose doubles matches is that's the mystery to me. Like Kingsley and Tracy, they were great. But Cash, I don't expect to ever see Cash lose no matter who he's playing with. If they switch it up today, throw him with Bernie, like at three and, and, of all places. And they stay yeah, at three and he loses the match at three doubles. I don't that that's the thing I can't wrap my head around. I knew they'd blitz him in singles. It was just inevitable. But I'm just stumped at, at what's going on in doubles. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Coach Tucker is too. He's probably, you know, chewing 25 pen caps tonight uh, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But uh, but no, their their singles has just just been ridiculous the whole time they've been here. The the guys that won, I mean, look, they took six first sets, but the guys that won the four matches and got off the court in no time all looked outstanding. And I I don't know how you're going to cut that buzzsaw down at the bottom of the lineup. They're just so good, the guys playing down there. I'm going to pivot. Does it is Ty probably thrilled that they're losing doubles points? Some scholars would argue no. I bet he doesn't hate it though. Like deep down, he's like, "Nice, like I get to f- yeah, yeah, work yeah, 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 the rest exactly. of the way." And like, yeah, you, I'll say, so just oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, no, there's no. As long as you're in hindsight, as long as you're winning the match, you know, giving these guys a little humble pie at t- in doubles where they think they're so good and telling them, "Hey, there's a reality here that you guys aren't as good as you think you are," and you know, he's that kind of guy. We've been on the pods before with him when he tells us. I don't know what you guys got, but I got my team ranked like sixth. So, you know, you know, he's telling them those kinds of things. So, yeah, I I think secretly, as long as they win, it's not bothering him that much. I mean, it's not bothering him in that he gets to make that point to the guys. It's bothering him if he thinks it's a pattern that there's an issue. But but outside of that, I you know, if he thinks they're just playing well or there's a few things to be worked out, yeah, I don't think he has an issue with it. 
Uh, no, I mean, like, again, like, first of all, with how well they responded in singles, any coach is going to have a smile on their face after that. That's literally all you could ask for from your team after dropping that doubles point. I will also say, oh, my God, are Kingsley and Tracy good? Like, look, not to compare my tennis to the tennis we see being played out there at Chris Hellier's, but let's compare my tennis to the tennis that's being played out there. I got to play with Maxwell LeBauer often, co-founder of the GSP, former Cracked Rackets ex- contributor extraordinaire, my club tennis doubles partner. We played for get- together for three years. Our third year, we were so good. Like, again, relative to the field. But our third year was just like, yeah, no one is going to beat us because I know exactly what he wants to do. He knows exactly what I want to do. By the way, I know exactly what I do that pisses him off, and he knows exactly what I do that pisses him off, vice versa, et cetera. Like, it's even the way they have a separate handshake. You know, high five, fist dap. There's just a rhythm. I think they've lost two games in two sets. You could put them at one. You could put them at two. You could put them at three. That's what a team of Ty Tucker continuity doubles looks like at its best. I do think maybe it's time to mix things up. Like, I want to see Luciana Cash. Like, I just want to see the massive weapons versus Cash covering everything. You know, again, just like I like that combination there. I'd watch Boulay and Cash play together again. They obviously had some success last season. I know Cash has had success with Nakashima already this season. I don't hate working in Bernie to the doubles lineup. Maybe you give the Anthrop serve forehand a chance as well. Again, I think my favorite part is they get to keep experimenting. Like, I, as good as they looked in singles, they did look like there's just been no rhythm in doubles. And I've just, I've never seen an Ohio State team look out of sorts in the doubles point in that fashion. And you do wonder if it might bite them down the road to be down one love. But, and this is a capital B U T, Chris after a long dinner, but, oh my, like in singles, they're the best roster. They're the best team right now. It's the most complete one through six lineup we have. And like, again, Harvard was playing checkers. Ohio State was playing chess. Like, it it just, all due respect to the Crimson, who were so good last night against Columbia, it was a different sport here today. Yeah, I mean, you talk about it, that you talk about that singles lineup, and when we're looking at a guy like Bernie at six, we can start with the number two team and work down from there. Nowhere else do we feel as good about the bottom of the lineup as we do with Ohio State. I mean, even with Eurosec, there are, you know, there are questions. We want to see them continue to do it day in, day out. Like, I have no issues going Anthrop, Cash, Bernie at four, five, six. And look, that's not going to, I do I think that's going to be the outdoor lineup? No. But but that lineup right there, there are just zero questions about what you, what you have there. And there are questions about the bottom of the lineup with every single other team. We talked about Texas, who didn't even make it this far, but are they playing Cleve? Are they playing Jonah? Are they playing somebody else? Uh, you know, we we don't know. Uh, Virginia, it's, you know, is it Kiefer down there? Is it, you know, some, they they played somebody, well, because they I think they didn't play Graziani maybe, but it's different. You know, they played Dahlberg. You don't feel as good about that as you feel about a guy like Bernie. They're just... They're so deep and they're so good top to bottom that, you know, again, we're going to just get into this. They're going to run the dang tables indoors is is my is my feel. And, you know, there's obviously two more matches to go here and they may not win both matches, but they're going to be so good by the time we get to the outdoor season 
that, you know, they're all lock. They're already, they're going to be guaranteed top eight. And yeah, they're, they're just good. They're I don't know what else to say. One last note, and then we're going to move to the semifinal preview. It's, we have to make sure Chris Halliors that it's never forgotten how good January and February J.J. Tracy is. Like, that's not to say he's not elite in other portions of the calendar as well. This is a guy who leaves every fall as one of the top 20 players in the nation. But in this particular time of year, like, 2022, do you remember our MOP conversation about him where it's like, all right, well, Tracy's the most outstanding player. It's really just a race for who's second because it's not even a conversation. Him at four is the single most valuable lineup spot we have. But, like... It's death taxes and him winning matches in January and February easily. Like, he's just so, like, it's just a pleasure. His footwork never stops. The heaviness of the forehand. He's complete, like, he's filled out the rest of his game so well. He has a backhand slice where he didn't used to. He's such a comfortable volleyer now. Uh, the, the the February JJ, I, it's one of my favorite things, Chris Halliors. That would just be my last note I want to throw out there. And the fact that it's going to be Tracy taking on this version oh. of Inaki Montez tomorrow. Like, do we need six boxes or do we just lock in on three and say this winner is ultimately our winner here today? Because, look, I'm just going to do this history one more time, Chris Halliors, because I said it a bunch on the broadcast today. But here's the history of just the national indoors matchups between these two teams. I want to take you back 2008 to 2011. Four straight national indoor titles for the University of Virginia. Chris, do you know who they beat in the 2008 and 2011 finals? They beat a team by the name of the Ohio State Buckeyes. By the way, do you know who snapped their four national indoor winning streak in 2012 in Charlottesville? It was a team with guys by the name of Blas Rolla, Peter Kobelt, Kevin Metka. I don't know if you remember who those guys played for, but in case you don't, they played for a team that likes to say O-H-I-O after they close out any victory, the Ohio State Buckeyes. By the way, 2014, Ohio State wins their first national indoor title in Tulsa. Who did they beat in the semifinals? Who was that matchup against? What Was it Peter Kobelt beating? Oh, yeah, a guy by the name of Mitchell Frank. And then who did... Ta- Ty Kwiatkowski lost. Oh, yeah, Kevin Metka in a clinching tiebreaker that ultimately sent Ohio State through to the final and through to their first national indoor title. Like, who played in the 2023 NCAA final? We can just end it right there. Oh, yeah, it was these two teams. If you are like us and you are a longtime fan of college tennis, you know the history. You know when these two teams, Ohio State and Virginia, match up against one another, significant on the line. Like, it's just that simple. And so Chris Halioris, without any sort of preconceived thoughts or notions from me, your read on this matchup, what you're looking forward to most outside of Montez Tracy, because I think that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I will be shocked. Look, who knows how the match turns out? But I will say one thing. If Inaki Montez wins the first set 6-3, 6-4, and J.J. Tracy continues to play the exact same game that lost him the first set, I will be in utter shock. Ty Tucker will not let that happen. We will not see that go down without some sort of a game plan adjustment on the fly, if you will. But... I mean, look, I, to me, this the thing that this screams to me is this is the biggest test we're going to see right now indoors 
for the bottom of the Virginia lineup. I mean, we know how good that Ohio State lineup is. And I think it's very, you know, it's very possible that Virginia with Rodesh can can win at one and Dietrich can win at two. Who knows what the hell's going down at three and who knows where the doubles point's going to go. But to me, it's all about four, five, six. Ohio State, if they continue to play like they are, they have they should have the advantage in every single one of those spots. But the way Virginia came out today and played, and they looked the part like the defend two-time defending national champions, you know, the, I I'm not going to say that that Ohio State's going to sweep those spots. That's to me where all of the intrigue is. I'm I'll be glued. Yeah, the big time matchups are up top. I'm going to be watching the bottom three. Yeah, and again, to quote JJ Tracy. Do we even need to look at the regular season matchup between these two from a couple of weeks ago? Like, just everything surrounding the circumstances of this battle so significantly different for each of these teams. Now, again, it was a 7-0 win for Ohio State. That matchup was on February 2nd, 15 days ago. But no Rodesh, no Vonder Schulenberg. Uh, excuse me, no Rodesh, no Montez in singles or doubles. Like, it's just a different Virginia team. Yeah, it doesn't a different fo- Yeah, exactly. So throw that one in the trash. Although for what it's worth, you know Ohio State didn't drop a single set in their matchup against Virginia. 7-0, not a single set dropped. Tip of the cat to these Bucks, man. What they do in Columbus, we don't talk about it enough, and we talk about it a lot. Every matchup has a compelling case. Like, again... With Robert Cash has been clutch. He, he's clinched now back-to-back days for the Buckeyes at five. We know how good Cash is uh, indoors in particular and at this event. And just like you have that, you have Alex Bernard who has dropped fewer than 10 games through four sets of tennis. Like, ugh, he has just been so good at that number six spot. But man, like, you're ever going to pick against a Dietrich who's 2-0, against a Rodesh who's 2-0, against a Von der Schulenberg who's 2-0? Absolutely not. And so, like, there are pathways for each of these teams. The biggest wild cards, doubles point. What is going to happen in doubles? It's like, how many licks to the center of the Tootsie Pop? The world may never know, Chris Hellers. I guess we'll know by hopefully 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. But I have no clues about that point. I do think you have to lean J.J. Tracy because you feel like of all the guys, Tracy's the one who's like, this ain't happening to me. Um, but but- here's, here's my bigger question before you go on. Yeah. Let's go back to doubles for one second. The lineups that they submitted had Kingsley and Tracy at three doubles, right? They made a change with cash today. So that that slid Kingsley and Tracy up to two, and put- I actually think I think Tracy was partnered with like Anthrop. Like the the original submissions for the Buckeyes were a little funky. Well, uh, no, I, I agree. Yeah. But what uh, my my point is, Ty, look, if I'm looking at the if I'm Coach Tucker and I'm looking at that Virginia doubles pairings, and I'm thinking, where am I going to get it? Look, they've got to beat mm-hmm. Hopper and Graziani at two. Mm-hmm. And so now my my big question is what I think Ty looks at that and he's I don't know what his answer is, but I think he looks at it and says, you know what? Either I want to play Kingsley and Tracy there because they're going to win or 
I think that might be just too comfortable. I don't want to do it. I'm going to leave Kingsley and Tracy at three and go back to my original submission and let Cash and whoever he put him in and Anthrop play it too because they're going to win there and that's our doubles point. That to me is going to, I'm going to be very interested to see the doubles teams he throws out tomorrow. Or can I give a suggestion? And it's never going to happen. Not ever. But like, <laughs> just say f- and if you're Ty, go, hey, Andreas, I'm playing these six. Pick the pairings. Pick the order because <laughs> yeah. screw it. We're going to be fine either way. But here are the six guys I'm playing. I think we're going to be fine. Like, they'll figure it out. And that'll never happen, obviously. But, like, might as well because you still have all the pieces. Like, foundationally, I'm never going to quit. I, they could lose 19 doubles points in a row. I'd be like, yeah, but they're going to win the 20th. Like, just trust me. They're going to bounce back. I just – I don't know what's going to happen here, Chris. It's going to be a really good match, your prediction, and then we'll move on. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you get away from the fact that, yes, they had no Monta. They had no Rodesh. Ohio State's just looked so good. I don't know how you get away from picking them. The, the problem is Virginia looks just as good today. Uh and the fact that someone eventually has to take advantage of the fact that Montez is surfing forehands. Uh, I, I'm not getting away from taking Ohio State. I said coming in, they're going to win it. I'm sticking with the fact that they're going to win it. I'm taking Ohio State. <laughs> no, that's a terrible pick. Um, yeah. No, that's a, that's a wonderful pick. Although I would point out... I know a guy who said I'm putting Virginia number one until the end of the season. Yeah. I don't care what else happens. I just today want to continue to go, point that out. Today yeah. made me go, this is exactly why I said <laughs> I'm just going to keep Virginia number one. I mean, I said it facetiously knowing that come May, I may very well pick them to win the national title again. And I, you know, and realistically you could, but no, you can't, when teams lose, you can't just leave them number one. But, but today showed why I made a statement like that. They looked like they could be the number one team. Yeah. Uh, well said. It's Ohio state versus Virginia. The match sells itself. This is the match. I might have Westoff cut the clip of our setup of the preview. I feel like that's the perfect thing for a promo video because I must have watched. I mean, like, Chris, do you want, can I do ten? Can I do like three minutes on the 2011 semifinal between these two teams and how Sanam Singh clinched it at the number three spot and how Michael Shabazz beating Blaz Rolla at one? Like, thirteen years later, I still can't believe it happened because Blaz Rolla on the list of most underrated players we had in college tennis of the 2010s. Anyways, buckle the seatbelts. Noon Eastern time, myself, Mike Cation on the call on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, the Ohio State University taking on two-time defending NCAA champions, Virginia, a 2023 NCAA final matchup. Chris, if we spend that long on all these matches with today's podcast talking about six things is going to be longer than yesterday's podcast talking about 12 things. So I do think we can pick up the pace from here. I also think... That Virginia-Ohio State match deserved all the time in the world. It is that intriguing to see them play at a national event like this. You know what else is intriguing? The resurgence of this Wake Forest team. Because let's be blunt, last year was kind of a disaster. And part of it was Millie, last name tough to pronounce, but the junior Wimbledon champion in 2022. He was supposed to be a Wake Forest demon deacon. Then he won junior Wimbledon. You win a junior slam, 
changes in your life. And obviously, he made that decision instead of turning to college to elect to turn pro right away. As such, it just felt like the team was always a little bit behind. I know they still had Melios Iftathiu, but... You know, again, Taki was never quite healthy. Maroney was starting to find his rhythm finally, but it was really his first full season of playing high-level matches. And, you know, again, finding out who fit where, it felt like it was always an open question for Wake Forest. I believe they went 0-3 at this national indoor event last season. They bring in a lot of new pieces. Yes, Taki, Maroney, Thompson, they are all back, but... Man, for Wake Forest, these new pieces, the big serving DK Suresh, a couple of lefties in the bottom of their lineup holding Coons straight set winner today. They transfer from JMU. And then, of course, Luca Pau, the lefty freshman. He earns the clinch with a straight set win on six. By the way, the perennially underrated Matt Thompson, definitive victory at the number three spot over Gustav Strom. Now, ultimately, Wake Forest, 4-2 winners. And let's be clear, this was a very tight match. Came down to a sudden death breaker at the number one spot. Coons and Thompson, I believe, or whomever his uh, partner is, they clinched Suresh, that. He plays DK. Oh, yes, thank you. Coons and Suresh. In uh, what was, by the way, a top 10 battle, they knock out Arizona's duo of Smith and Friend. Gave them the 1-0 cushion they need. Ultimately, Wake Forest takes four first sets. And again, in a national quarterfinal, if you can get off the court with a doubles victory and three straight set singles wins as a head coach, all you can be is happy. And that's what they got. Again, straight sets from Thompson, straight sets from Coons. Ultimately, it was uh, Luca Pau with the clinch. Now, it's also worth uh, mentioning Suresh had two match points at the number two spot. Jay Friend was able to fight them off. Our guys, Gustav, uh, excuse me, Colton Smith, Triple H, Herm, Herm, uh, Herman Hoyeral. I forget. Cation pronounces it different than we do, and I always defer to him on those sorts of things. So we're just going to call him Triple H moving forward. Arizona showed that fight. Like, again, Friend fought off two match points. They refused to just roll over, but... It's a really good win for this Wake Forest team, Chris. Are they inner circle now? Do they have to be? I don't know if they're inner circle. They yeah. were definitely impressive. I think it was a big blow, for, and I still haven't heard, and I don't know if you have or not, I, I, a big blow for Arizona not to have Lagayev in the lineup. Yeah, no, I still don't know what happened, but that was a very good point. It was uh, Inyaki, Co- JV. Yeah, uh, Cabrera Bayo at, at yeah, five and you. Christensen at six. That that re that really hurt. And and even with Hoyerall, you know, Triple H stepping up, uh, a very impressive win at four. But they that I think they really got taken advantage of in in the lower spots there, where those would have been matches had that not been the case. But uh, I don't know if I'm ready to put him there. But I'll tell you the the guy that has even though he didn't finish his singles match. I am absolutely just in love with the game of DK Suresh. Uh, I just, I mean, it's such easy power and he gets so many free points, whether it's just off the serve or it's the serve plus one. He opens the court so nice. Uh, He's using so many slice serves and it's not, you know, it's not just all power. He's got easy power. But, you know, it's just placement to where he gets you out wide and then just puts the second ball away. It's it's very, you just watch it. And every time he gets in a spot of trouble, and obviously there are exceptions, but he gets in a little spot of trouble 
and it, there's no long grind rally to work it out. It's just an, it, the next point he's he's out. He gets you know he's down thirty forty and he throws an ace in and then a serve plus one and the game's over. I mean, and it, you you just watch it and it happens over and over again. And I just I love watching him play. To that end, though, Jay Friend fought off those two match points in that breaker, forced the third set, and yeah, it started to get interesting there. Uh, I mean, even though Luca Powell ended up finishing it for them, but yeah, I don't know. Wake Wake is an interesting team to me. You, I, on paper, I look at them and I'm just not super enthused, but they've got a superb resume of wins so far this year. And now they've come in here and they beat Michigan. Now they beat Arizona. And yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't think they're inner circle. But man, do they look great. And let's see what happens tomorrow with TCU. Yeah. I mean, depth. That's the real thing about this TCU team. Uh, excuse me, this Wake Forest team. They are, uh, they have real options, uh, especially those four, five, six positions. Again, the lefties, Coons, and Powell are going to be such tough outs. And we got a great quote from Holden Coons in describing the coaching philosophy of Tony Bresky. He goes, and you got Chris is smiling because he knows what's coming. He listened to the interview. Shout out to Mike Cation, who fantastic in the booth as always, but a fantastic question, received a fantastic answer, you know, asking about the craziness of the crowd, and they were nuts uh, at Flushing Meadow. Whomever shows up for Wake Forest always brings their A game. Tony says to his players, look, if you are on court competing, you are focused, you are locked in, you are not aware of anything else going on in the building but what's happening on your court. If you're off the court, go nuts. And that's what you see from the Wake Forest crowd and that extra 10%, I call it the seventh man, right? We don't have in singles, we have six starters, so I call it the seventh man the way they call it the 12th man in football. Wake Forest has the seventh man in spades. And you need it when you're taking on an Arizona team that will take your best body blows and continue to dish out some punches of their own and look like when friend fought off the match points, you did think for, and you thought to yourself for a second, Oh my God, like, are they going to do this? Like, do we, uh, I, I had the thought of there's no freaking way, like we're going to be here till 1030 because Casper Christensen's going to win this second set. And then it's coming down to a third set on court six. And what was one of the slower pace matches we had on the day, but look, like this Wake Forest resume is real. Like they continue to do it. Wins over Michigan, Arizona, North Carolina, Illinois, Columbia. It's a real good team. And they are certainly now firmly ensconced in the top eight discussion. Inner circle, you're right. We're going to have to wait and see how they fare against the TCU team who, oh, by the way, I guess any final thoughts on Arizona before we get to TCU? Or I, th- I feel like we hit it. Like this wasn't a bad loss for the for the Wildcats. It's a 4-2 loss, a match where I just don't think Strom loses that match in straight sets outdoors the way he did inside here today. If you're Arizona, you beat Texas this weekend. Like, yeah, you lost this one. But I do think first national indoors through two matches is a win unequivocally. Yeah, no, I, I think they feel good. I, I'm with you. That was the shocker to me is, is you Strom just can't go down three and one to yeah, Thompson can't like have that. that. Yeah, 100%. That was the swing. They're right there. By the way, they're a lot better in doubles than I thought. I didn't I didn't know Arizona would have these sorts of pieces. It's just the way they compete. It's the energy they bring. They are a tough out always I will also say just lineup-wise, regardless of the Lagayev piece, which you mentioned, Hoyer all needs to be at four. Like, it's just time. Like, he is maybe the third best player. Some days, maybe he's the best player in the lineup. Like, those weapons, they have no business at five. 
Like, he is that good. And I understand Lagayev got a win yesterday against Texas. Like, I guess if it's Lagayev, I don't know. I would just play Hoyer all at four. I guess that is my Triple H is, he's the real deal. Whenever he's shown up, shout out to Matt Stokowiak. I feel like Triple H is Stokowiak's last guy that we have in college tennis. He is always, in my mind, the perennial Matt Stokowiak. Hey, don't forget about Hoyer all. Like, I just always laugh whenever he used to bring it up. And whenever I see Triple H play, I always think of Matt Stokowiak. So I agree. That's probably where we can end things with Arizona. Obviously, they're going to take on Texas A&M tomorrow. A&M takes the doubles point over TCU. And this wasn't a fluke thing. Like, talking about this with Mike, who happened to be on the call more so than I was because Virginia, Tennessee, obviously overlapped with the start of this TCU A&M battle. But A&M's energy was just better. Their execution was just better. They outplayed TCU during that doubles point. I don't think TCU executed particularly poorly. I thought AM executed particularly well, Chris Hallioris. But, I mean, again, if you are head coach David Roditi, if you are associate head coach Devin Bowen, if you are new assistant Steve Foreman, who is just funny to see, again, Steve on that. I'm like, aren't you still playing, Steve? Like, what are you doing with a with a TCU coaching shirt on? This makes no sense to me. Um Aaron Four, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, uh, Aaron, yeah, literally, it's just like I miss my Northwestern colors. I'm gonna go back, um, but the Southern version. Um, I said something way meaner. The Southern version. Um, I thought you were gonna say the mean thing there. Uh, anyways, here's the point. Um, I don't know. I was just all right. I'll say it. I, I was gonna say the better version because I do think TCU same colors as Northwestern, slightly better. Don't see. It's not that mean. Um, anyways. Brain's starting to break down, so let's let's try to wrap up this show here. Four straight set wins. Like, things got a little dicey for them in a couple of second set spots. Like, Gorsny, it got a little dicey in that second set, but he's able to get off the court in straights. JPJ got a little dicey against JC Roddick in that second set. He's able to get the additional breaks he needs, get off the court in straight sets. Fernley had a little ankle issue. At the end of set number one, but he seemed to recover just fine. He was off the court real quick at that number one spot. And then I'll continue to say it, whether it's the Tennessee match, whether it was round one for TCU against Arizona State, or whether it's here today where he gets the clinching win uh, at that number six spot over Luke Casper. Every victory for Tomas Yurasek is just another opportunity for him to gain confidence. And if he becomes one of the four or five best six singles players we have in the country, I don't know how you're beating TCU. Because I do feel like the pathway to beat them includes two points. You almost have to beat Maxted and Eurosec with how good they are at the top four. I do want to give some credit today to AM at the number three spot. Obviously, Pedro Vivez. It was just one of those days for Togan Pokats, who was swinging so aggressively, uh, was the sophomore, ultimately gets a straight set win. But again, like one, two, four, and six, and they were all in straight sets. About all. It was the 85% version of what we saw from Ohio State, if that, maybe even the 92%, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, they weren't quite, you know, it wasn't 11 games in in four sets good, right? (laughs) I'll say it. It wasn't a It was just like some really good foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was like they got 29 games, not 11 games. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But but yeah, it's... Look, I mean, I, I'll give A&M credit. They, they fought. They, the, the, the head scratcher to me, honestly, in, from the double side, when I'm looking at it, is Casper and Roddick 6-1 on Fernley and JPJ. 
Like Luke Casper's a guy that we watch in in singles and the I mean, he's going to grind you all day from the baseline. Not a guy you expect to see playing two doubles against someone like Jake Fernley and then taking him out 6-1. That one that surprised me a little. Uh so but but I don't think even at that until AM was going to be able to put up three or four first sets and really make it interesting. I wasn't going to be a believer yet. And, you know, we said this on the preview was I'd been behind AM up to this point. I just think that that TCU singles lineup is just, you know, every spot up and down that lineup a little bit better and trying to come up with even three singles wins against them for what A&M's got is, was just going to be tough. It was a tall ask. And yeah, and I mean, A&M played them, they played them tight. Like you said that, I mean, I, I thought that that Gorsny Perego second set, you know, that, that breaker there, I mean, had Perego been able to take that, who knows where we end up because now all of a sudden they're going three, they're already four all in a third with Max dead on five and it starts to get really interesting, but it, you know, just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, A&M's got real options. You're right. Like, I didn't think Casper played poorly. I thought Tomas Jurasek was that good at that sixth spot. Obviously, five, they're in a third set. It's on serve, five, four, whatever it was in that third set there. Tokats was really good at three. You know, again, Perego got a win yesterday over Toby Samuels. You were not writing off him at that top spot for A&M. They have real depth. They have real options. And if you're coached by Steve Denton, you're going to be good at doubles. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This A&M team is in the top 16 hunt. They're real. But TCU's in the inner circle. And obviously tomorrow, I think they're the favorites over Wake Forest. How could they not be? Not only are they the higher-ranked team, not only are they the two-time defending champion, they also are, have slightly more rest uh, than Wake Forest. And when the margins are thin, those sorts of things do matter. Now, again, as always, shout-out to the ITA. Try to maintain competitive balance to the best of their capabilities. As such, both these teams now coming to Columbia to play their first matches uh, at the Milstein Family Tennis Center. But Chris Halliorce, as we wrap up this show, our final thoughts on a very fun second semifinal, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see it. My my first question, and, and I don't know if you've heard it because I'm nobody's really uh, has anybody played both sites yet. I, I have any of the teams gone from one to the other. Yeah, yes, someone had to today. No, no one had to today. Tomorrow will be the first day. I kept okay. Yeah. So my my first question was going to be, what do we do? We have a contrast in speed, you know. In all indoors are obviously not equal. We can have quick indoors, slow indoors. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if there's a, a difference there. But no, I, I look, I really look forward to this. Like we talked about with Wake, we we haven't seen, we've seen them play that. I'll call it the the upper middle tier. You know, the, they're they're playing those teams that are you know ten to fifteen type teams and beating them. We're not seeing them play top eight teams yet. And that's what we're going to see. Except for tomorrow. Tennessee, we saw the Tennessee, but it was so early. Yeah, yeah, yep. So uh, you know, and they and I think they played Columbia as well, right? But yeah, sure. But um, I don't know. It's Columbia. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't mean exactly. To stop on your they're point. they're you're exactly right. They they're haven't friend. played an inner circle team. Yeah. that's the difference. Not top eight, but inner circle. Yep. And tomorrow we get to see it. So I think you know if they can, even if they don't win, but if it ends up like super tight four, two, four, three type match, then, you know, I might be convinced that, that they could be in that group. The big thing to me right now is 
look, I think in my head, there's like five teams. It's the top four. And then I was throwing Tennessee in there where I go, those five teams are the five teams battling for the final four in NCAAs. Who else is going to get into the mix that has a chance to crack that, you know, semis of NCAAs? And this is going to, I think this will go a long way to telling me whether we think Wake can be one of those teams or not. You know what else I'm low-key in on? Brusky versus Roditi. Like, uh, come on. Like, that's a great matchup. Like, we haven't talked about that aspect enough. That's just, we have Bresky versus Roditi and Tucker versus Pedroso. Come on. Like, those are the big boys. You want to, again, you want to sit at the grown-ups table? Make it to this year's semifinals. It's just, we're throwing rings everywhere. Like, again, Ty's got the two national indoors. Obviously, Andreas now, the two NCAAs. Tony's got his 2018 NCAA national indoor. And yeah, we've definitely again, got the, uh, David's we've got the got coaches his two. ring here, for it's sure. Like, it's an inner circle of coaches. I'm I'm so amped for that. We did so much on Ohio State, Virginia. So let's just rapid fire here through Chris. I'm going to ask you for leans each way, doubles on TCU and yeah and Wake and Wake. Oh, I got no. Let's do ten more minutes on Ohio State, Virginia. I I mm, man. I mean, I'm really concerned with the loss to A and M today. Um and and Wake has actually looked really really good. I'm. Come I'm going to go wake. All right. Thank you for being bold. That's all I can ask for here to start. Okay. So it's one awake now. Number one singles. I mean, I'm taking Fernley. One all. Number two singles. I love Suresh's game. I'm still taking JPJ. Captain Jack with the victory in Chris's mind. 2-1 there. Number three, Vivez versus Thompson. I mean, you're going to pick Vivez on principle because you make it a – it's one of the rules in the Chris Hallior's handbook. Pick against Matt Thompson just in case you're wrong. No, but but like uh, that's what I want to do, but Thompson <laughs> sold me this week. I'm all, I'm I'm in. Tom uh, Thompson takes that match. I think that's one they have to have if they're going to pull it off tomorrow. Number yeah. four? I got to go Gorsny there. Chosen one, yeah. It's, he's called it for a reason. Five? Coons versus Maxted, lefty Coons. to a one-handed backhand. We're since the age of twelve, Chris. Yeah, Coons is really gonna put. He's gonna push that, and he's a you know he's not a big power guy. He's smart. He's crafty. I'll I'll, I'll say that they can stay in it with Coons, but but TCU takes it at six. You're a sec. You're taking over the freshman pow. Yeah. Okay. I am never. I, just a quick final note here, and I know you listened to it. I have never been more jealous in my life, in my life, than boom, bang, pow, Pow, match to Wake Forest. I was like, is this why I don't get gigs? I was like, is this why it's never going to happen for me? Because we do have a modern day goat amongst us in my cation. Like, can someone cut this clip for him? Because I think I complimented him on, on the broadcast, but I don't think he'll believe I'll compliment him again. It deserves to be made public. Boom, bang, pow was so good. It was, uh. That, it almost deserves to be like the NCAA clinch. I mean. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, I want to know when did he think of it? Like. Well, I mean, you saw his pre-match picture with all the notes for the day. I, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and look at that picture again. And so, oh, except I don't think he had that match in the picture. Yeah. I'm not sure. 
I'm going to look on the note card and see if it said boom, bang, pow on the note on the sure. note card. You know, it's good to see what's at the note card. You know who needs note cards? Old men like you guys, because uh, <laughs> this this guy can keep them all up. Here. <laughs> OK, I'm, I'm going to tell you really quickly. You gave the Tony Bresky intro and you talk about old men. You ran through his intro and you talked about Indiana State. We played. I played Indiana State in college, and it was before Bresky was even there. <laughs> that's that's how old I am, Bresky. Chris, I say this with love, affection, and knowing you are the closest friend I've made since I left college. I know exactly how old you are, my friend. You don't have to remind me. Um, yeah. One of us has an AARP card, and it ain't this half. Um, so we'll leave that there. No, of course, again, boom, bang, pow. Like, you're a goat. Mike Cation, and it is, will always be a pleasure to have the opportunity to work for you, uh, work for you, work with you. Excuse me. See, that's that's young me being like, oh, I got to work for the Pod Father. It um, doesn't say it. I'm looking at it now. Luca Powell, freshman, Soil, England, lefty, seven singles, three doubles, and it's got his records. No boom bang pow on the note. Okay, card. but what would that bullet point even look like? Like, what do you title that bullet point? Like. If he clinches, boom, bang, I'm, pow. I'm just thinking you write boom, bang, pow on the card because you're like looking down at it. The I, truth yeah. is he actually travels with a Superman comic book. And I think he just <laughs> happened to open it to the right page. Um, and he was like, boom, bang, pow. Like, let's, or he was watching Fairly Odd Parents with his lovely daughter like at some point over the past couple of months. And he's like, let me, let me make a mental note. Boom, bang, pow uh, from the Crimson Chin. Uh, no, it was just... It was elite stuff, and again, the best part for you listeners hearing us revel in the excellence of Mike Cation is that I'm going to get to join him. Now, you know, he'll be on my side in our booth here at the uh, Milstein Family Tennis Center at Columbia, as we call tomorrow's semifinal action. Again, Ohio State, Virginia, our opening match. That's noon Eastern time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, semifinal number two after that. TCU taking on Wake Forest, 3.30 p.m. scheduled start. Obviously, it'll start 30 minutes after our first semifinal finishes. I love this weekend. I love these podcasts. I love the tennis we've seen thus far. The only other thing I'd love, Chris Hallioris, is to hear your final thoughts before we wrap tonight's show. Oh, I'm just, I'm so excited. It's a couple great matches. This is, a you know, these these are our teams that we wanted to see in, in the, in the semis. And, uh, and we're going to get some good, some good matches tomorrow. I just, the one that I'm really pumped for is that Ohio State Virginia match. Let's let's see what what goes down. Every I'm I'm there for all of it. I'm there for the underhand serve. I'm there for the Ohio State struggling doubles. I'm there for the Ohio State ridiculous singles. Let I uh, let's see it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm gonna fish for one more compliment though. You know what one of my highlights of the day was? I thought this was a particularly good line. Is someone goes up five zero and I go. Bagel's not ready yet, but it's in the toaster. Yeah, uh, oh, that was a pretty good one. You got to you got a comment in the chat for that too, as I was watching. <laughs> I didn't Some, see that. Somebody That's somebody funny. repeated the comment and gave you double fire symbols after that. A it rare moment again. It, I know what good. Mike's cooking with, and so I got to bring my best here this weekend. Yeah. And so again, excellence demands excellence. Uh, we are very much looking forward to one more, uh, two more days. Excuse me, in the booth together, Mike and I on the call starting noon tomorrow with Virginia Ohio State. That said, of course, before we sign off, a shout out as always. And do you want to hear my first else? Alzheimer's moment. I started telling a story about my mother to end 
today's broadcast in the midst of trying to give Westoff a shout-out. And I actually never got back to giving Westoff a shout-out. So shout-out to you, Daniel Westoff. Best in the business. F*** of an editing job. Day in, day out. Yes, I realize I'm starting to lose it. I'll have note cards before we know it, folks. With all of that said, for my fantastic co-host, Chris Helioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris Helioris, first we say boom, bang, pow, and then what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.